This is Ed Cohen, your broadcast host today on GlobalRadioTalkShow.com, a broadcast news service of GlobalBusinessNews.net. I'm based in San Diego, California. It's 1.07 p.m. on April 14, 2020. Our special guest today from Generation Mobility, M.Global, and Alicia Parti, Kathra Saba, Danny McLean and Walla. I'm sure I'm not going to do this right, so I apologize, but Ab- Abul Majid. So please correct me. Walla? Walla Abul Majid. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Danny McLean. And you're in San Jose, right? Yes, located in San Jose, born and raised in Silicon Valley. That's very cool. Just as an aside, we had set up a live meeting. Global HR News Conference for San Jose on May 27, featuring Twilio and Riverbed Technologies and Applied Materials to come speak live. And so far, we haven't canceled yet, but it's definitely on hold. So more about that later. Oh, yeah. We'd like to hear about that. Yeah, cool. So, Kathra Saba, hello. Hello. Thanks for doing this. Hello, Alicia. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Glad to be here. Alicia, so you're the co-founder and CEO. So tell us a little bit from your view, what's Generation Mobility all about and how did it begin and why? So it began when three amazing ladies with three different migrant stories met in Norway. And we were all tackling a challenge with living and thriving abroad. Walla and Kathra were looking at the global career problem and leveraging talent while they were abroad. And I was looking at the emotional well-being of being abroad. So we actually came together in an accelerator called Founders Institute. And we both graduated. And as we just learned more about the market, and though we had different migrant stories, which I'm sure you're here about on the call, we had similar challenges. And we said, you know what, if we join forces, we can make transition smoother for people moving abroad. And you know what? Even better than that, we can be an add-on of value to companies that are hiring global talent or even want to hire global talent and helping them make transition for their employees a little bit smoother and allowing their employees and their family members to thrive personally and professionally. And we do all of that using technology. Okay, so you're dealing with the family, not just the transferee. Yes, that is something very unique that we want to do as, yes, that's very dear to our heart. You know, the old saying, if mama's not happy, no one's going to be happy. So this was really true when it comes to the stresses of a relocation, never mind the impact of disease and virus and all that stuff. Boy, So so, true. You know, how come companies think that they don't need this? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it's really interesting. What we've learned is like when they hire and they recruit this top talent, the person that is hiring them and sending them abroad, a lot of times is disconnected once they get to the other side. And so the employees on the new job, they have their instant network, but no one's thinking about that person at home that may not be thriving. And the company does not, they don't usually realize it until someone says, I'm going home. And then they're like, whoa, what happened? I think that's one reason. Another reason is if you're sent on an international assignment, you know, you're not going to go tell your boss, I'm having trouble at home. 
you're trying to shine at that time. And so again, the companies don't hear about it until it's too late. And I'm also not sure if they're capturing the data to be able to quantify and qualify the results of actually losing global talent. I think the big companies do, but many don't. You got your background through personal experience and friendship, of course, and then the technology came in. Now, the technology is to, I'm just going to play dumb for a second, okay? Mm -hmm. What's the role of technology in this? Because it's really one-on-one counseling, isn't it? Danny. Great question. And technology, especially in these times, is crucial in any type of business, right? Let alone when we talk about mental health and the well-being, the workforce. Right, that we're living in. Just read a, a news clip yesterday, actually 16 million people have been laid off. That has a lot to do with some of the emotional troubles that we're going to see come moving forward. So when we talk about generation mobility and the technology strategy, it, go hands, it goes hand in hand. I mean, what we're doing is not only providing that platform technology, but we're looking to better know our market, better know the people that we're serving, and use the the tools that are already at hand to make that happen. So it's just like telemedicine? That's a good question. I think one way it's different. So, of course, because of COVID-19, we are launching a counseling platform, which a traditional telemedicine Mm -hmm. or counseling platform early. But actually, our mission is to use advanced technology. So the goal is we actually look at this data, and instead of addressing an issue when it happens, we start to predict it. So we use machine learning to gather the data of the people that are moving abroad. And as we gather the data, if you can imagine, we one day we'll be able to say, hey, I see you move from California to Norway and it's winter. You may be experiencing this. And then over time, we'll be able to inform companies this type of demographic thrives in this type of demographic and these type of positions are doing better here and there. So that is the next step. COVID had us launch the counseling platform prior to, but that was actually just a product within the app that predicts common challenges with moving abroad. Interesting. Okay. Is this service expensive? No. One of the things that we've tried to do is to keep it low cost. So the goal of using technology and being digital is that something that would normally cost you a lot of money using a consultancy model where I have to pay for an office. I can only see one person at a time. You have to cover my travel and, you know, I might want a really high class ticket in an hotel. This takes that out and it, it actually gives us access quicker and faster, which as we see during these this pandemic, that it is necessary to be able to connect people even when movement is not possible. I'd like you guys to address, and and I'll be quiet here, and just listen to you guys discuss the following. So well-being is mental, of course, and that, of course, can lead to physical, but let's just talk about well-being mental. When people don't have connections, viable connections, personal connections, Some people don't feel like reaching out. They are more, not to call them introverts, but they're just more singular rather than extrovert. And they find it hard. And when they're put into a stressful situation, like being in a strange place and not knowing anybody other than surface hellos, smile, that could be really damaging in trial and error. So would you guys... Talk a little bit about the mental well-being, the social well-being of the family 
and how it impacts the transferee, not to mention all this on the transferee, too. Yes, I guess I'll start. And then I'm going to ask Kathra if if she would jump in there. And I'm going to talk from a little bit of personal experience. So I worked at high levels in management for a long time in Silicon Valley, went back to school, changed my career and successfully and became a a marriage and family therapist. And I remember when my husband's friend said, you should move to Norway. Your life will be better. It'll be easy. You'll transition easy. You'll get a job. You'll be okay." And I said, "Okay, you know, I'm used to change. I've done it in the past. I've made it work. But six months, about six to eight months after being in Norway, it was an absolutely beautiful country. It had nothing to do with that. But I absolutely was not prepared for what popped up, which was loneliness, not knowing what bread to buy, not having a social network, not having a professional network, not speaking the language at the time. And I remember waking up, looking in the mirror, crying. You know, I tried to do everything to fit in. I remember someone said, you need to change your LinkedIn profile. You know, we're used to one career path. You can't have so many years here and so many years there. And everything about me changed to fit in so much so where I didn't recognize who I was. And I had to That was a break where I said, you know what, I need to figure this out. And that was when I started the journey of how do I find balance? How do I find my authentic self in a new place? And that's actually how I began to open a practice there and help others do the same. But I'm going to pass it to Catherine and Walla has a story as well and see if they could share. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. My story, of course, is a little bit different because I was a child that that was moved involuntary with my family back in the 90s. I have a Kurdish background and we were refugees from Iran. And you can say that I was both a child that was experiencing this transition that was involuntary, but at the same time, I was a witness to what my parents were experiencing. So too many years of coming to, you know, being a refugee and finally coming to Norway uh, through the UN. You know, the transition was really hard for a, for a kid. And I'm looking at all the people that are transitioning, either either involuntary or voluntary. You know, we are forgetting the children as well here. That's why when we are talking about family, that we see the children don't have actually much choice than to follow their own families. So they are going through a process as well. So I had such a difficult time of adjusting to new culture because I was 13 years old in, in my te- teenager, teenagers, uh, you know, uh, the difficult times that many have, an identity question and etc. And as well as being witness to what my parents was experiencing, to adjusting to a new environment, new culture, you know, new language. Of course, they made it after you know after forty days. They was fully in, in different jobs. Both of them, they were learning the language in in you know in the, the different jobs that they had. But what was really interesting after seeing them so many years later is like, what if? What if my parents actually had a solution where they could be taken care of when they came, actually, they transitioned to Norway? Because it hits them, it hit them so hard several years later, and it was much more serious. They, they had a, such a difficult time of belonging, you know, that question of belonging. They had difficulties and challenges with mental health. So they got a lot of services that was provided for the government, of course, that was tackling their mental health because they were depressed. They missed their home. They missed the smells. They missed the network. They missed the social life, something that they lost. And several years after, of course, I've worked in the integration, you know, integration sector for so many years. And I see the same 
type of challenges. And this is very common, both involuntary and voluntary. You know, mental health is something that is, you know, is a stigma, of course. But here we are saying, you know, it's normal. We are feeling, if all of us that are transitioning, we are feeling the same way. So what the, what if we talk about it and make a place, make, make, make a platform where it's easy to take, to, to reach out before it gets serious? And this is something I, I really personally and professionally feel is something that this platform is allowing us to do. Thank you very much for that deep dive. I see here that you're chief information officer as well as co-founder. It says here you work on creating evidence-based solutions to help companies you- take care of the global workforce. What is evidence-based solutions? Are you asking me or are you asking Walla? Because Walla is chief information yeah. officer. I am oh. the COO of the company. Do that. Forgive yes. me. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's totally fine. No, 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 no problem. Yes, the Walla, please. Thank you. Yeah. Just before answering this question, Ed, um, I just wanted to say something regarding the mental or the well-being is a mental issue because you said it can be physical afterwards. I just had to comment on that because what we are trying to do here is just that we don't want to wait for illness to start value wellness or well-being, right? And that taps again into this part of evidence-based solutions because what we are trying by using technology is to predict how the people will be feeling through collecting the data that we are collecting. It takes, of course, a little bit of time, but when we use models that are already established and then create from, from this one evidence-based solutions, I think they, and use technology, this will be the new value that we are creating, both for businesses and for individuals when they are using our platform and app afterwards. Regarding my story, I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit because it's actually very interesting because we have three different stories. And what I um, discovered afterwards is that even with Katra's background and what she has talked about challenges and Alicia and my story being an immigrant since I was born and then came here in a little bit adult age after finishing Due to Love, I really, really missed having uh, such solutions when I came here. I feel like, okay, why did I wait for all this to just discover that we all have these common emotional challenges? And from there is the passion of doing something that can be also predictable and that can discover the true us and that we don't wait for illness to start battling wellness. Thank you so much for this personal information and sharing. I'm, I'm really impressed and I'm learning so much from this experience today with you guys. Really appreciate it. Cather, one thing more, and I'm just reading this here. Cather is driven by a genuine love for human beings and their well-being, especially people that are displaced involuntarily. Man, there's so much of this going on. I'm not being political at all, but there's just so much of this. And there's, there's such a need for people to understand the emotional side of things and forget about the political. It's just the emotional side of taking care of people and creating some kind of a healing mechanism. And I, as an outsider, I see that generational mobility is in the forefront, way out in front. I'm so impressed with your business approach to taking care of people's needs in an organized manner. So congrats to all of you. Thank you so much. So I see here from your website, and just jump in as soon as I ask these questions, okay? 50% of employees indicate they need support. 
when moving abroad, being abroad, 50%, 5-0, of employees report that the company does not get involved, does not offer emotional support services while abroad. 73% reported they need ongoing personal and professional counseling, some kind of support. These are staggering numbers. Please comment on this. So we actually put together information for people that are living abroad. And what we found is that relocation companies have a lot of business and they can pack you up in boxes really good. Make sure you sign up for the right international school and that you're enrolled in language classes. But then once you're in the country, many people are left without understanding how to navigate the system there which is another unique factor. The reason we wanted to do a counseling platform, even though there's others out there, is because we wanted to make sure that people can get services in their own language, their language of comfort, as well as talk to people from their home country or someone that understands them enough and have lived abroad. So every provider on our platform has lived abroad because I do think it's unique. And guess what? We don't want to When we move and that relocation company drops us all these boxes off and we're unpacking, I'm not trying to figure out how to. I'm excited. I'm in honeymoon stage. Everything is new. I'm not expecting to crash. So giving them a a digital companion up front to say, we're not with you because you have an issue. We just want to take you on a journey abroad. And all these people who have gone before you, we're here for you in your language. We have all done it before. And we just want to help you get through it. So that's going to be our distinction. And we want even for relocation companies to contact us. We want to be the value add because it's not just enough to physically move people. We have to take care of the entire person. Cawthra, Walla, or Danny, you have something? I totally agree with you, Alicia. Um, And what I can say is, well, when you look at a lot of the solution that is being developed today, and the offers that have been, you know, developed, that's been offered through relocation, but as well as in, in the integration processes, often it's focused very on the practical side of it. What we are doing is something else. We are saying, you know, before it, you know, it gets to a position where you might feel disengaged, you might feel that you are not, don't feel the belo- that you are not belonging, don't, mm-hmm. there's not socially connected, that you don't, you know, that you miss the smell, the network. We yes. will be and make sure that you are not that we will not go through the same things that we have been going through. You will make sure that it will never happen again. And this is what we are trying to achieve with our technology. Yeah. And they don't need a diagnosis. So that's another no. thing on our platform. Our goal is not to diagnose mental illness. We're saying that these are common challenges. We can't eliminate the challenges because many times the culture shock model exists because it's real, right? So we can't eliminate it, but we actually can have you intentionally approach it and hopefully in giving you information on how to navigate that could make your journey a little bit smoother. And that's what we want to do. No diagnosis. Yes, this is common. Speak in your language and talk to people that have been here and and even get on a platform, read articles and read the stories about people because that's where when I found out I wasn't the only one, I'm like, oh my God, someone should have told me. And we want to take Mm -hmm. that part out of it. No more, oh my God, someone should have told me like, I have a companion and they're going to be like, hey, there's a curve coming up. Watch out. <laughs> and it's always easier to prevent than mm-hmm. to, to tackle yeah. afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's something also that is emphasized on, on from the World Health Organizations from all like preventive measures that it's always easier to prevent if you reach out early enough. 
I want to add a personal story to this to add context. Now, I've lived in America all my life in the Bay Area. Of course, I've traveled throughout the nation. But one of my first times traveling abroad was to Cuba. And it was during the summer for a, a course that we took uh, in college at San Jose State University. And we, we went there as a group, about 10 of us, for about three weeks. And throughout this, I got a first-hand impression of what it is to, to be an international citizen, to interact with uh, international communities. And as you can imagine, as we've been talking about before, there was a language barrier, there was a cultural barrier, there was a food barrier, right? What to eat, what not to eat, where to go, where not to go. So we're about, you know, 15 sounds like state students, and we're new to this country and to this culture. So I think it's similar to people who travel voluntarily or involuntarily mm -hmm. throughout the world. And one situation which kind of brought this to life to me. So when I heard of the mission and the vision of this company that I said, hey, I want to be a part of is because I could personally connect with it. On our travel to Cuba, of course, we had a, a guide and Luis was his name. Luis stayed with us for all three weeks. He traveled with us on the bus. He showed us where to go, where not to go. He told us the nuances that we would not know if he wasn't there. And uh, there was one situation where we were stopped by the, the police, Cuban. We had no idea. They speak Spanish, we speak English. So there's another barrier. Luckily, Luis was with us and he was able to help us navigate that and guide us to safety. Luis is someone who I still talk with to this day, even being in Cuba. So for, for me, as I think about generational mobility, as I think about some of the things that the, this company is doing and will do, creating that digital companion. Now, if I didn't have Luis, I, you know, I don't who knows where I would be now. But everyone who's traveling right now deserves a Luis, someone that they can keep in contact with, someone that can help them navigate these unsure lands that they're traveling to. And I think with technology, that adds a, another layer, that there is no barriers of being there in person. Um, and now we can kind of be more proactive. If I tell Luis, hey, I'm going to Cuba again, he can remind me or we can have a conversation about what happened last time and how I can approach the situation differently. So how I think of it as we're crafting the technology is that we're creating a digital companion, someone that can be with you every step of the way, and that's not far out of reach. So Danny, let me ask you zero in on, on your product. Is it pronounced Salus? S-A-L-U-S? Correct. So tell us about that. So Salus, and, and please jump in, Wallet, Kathra, Alicia. But Salus is the first iteration of this predictive solution that we're creating where we really want to focus and hone in on companies that have HR and employees who are traveling. We're doing a lot of testing now. So with what we're doing is, is very data intensive. We have to analyze and work with closely the people on our platform. We're providing not only the service providers, but a lot of other predictive analytics and tools that they can use as they're traveling. So as I understand it, this is a product and it's going to have a price. So are you offering it as an introduction, some kind of a deal? Yeah. So what we're doing in light of everything that's happening now, and I, as was mentioned, we're not a COVID company. And we will, this, this, mission, this vision and mission and platform was conceived and being built before this happened. But now it's just brought new emergence and new importance to what we're doing. So currently what we're doing, we're subsidizing the costs for all service providers and users who are joining the application. We're doing a user group and some focus groups currently right now with actual users throughout the world from different countries. And the, the cost will be subsidized. So we're, we're happy that we can do that. But we feel like right now 
is when we need to step up. People with a solution need to come to the forefront and help those in need. So yes. Cool. Okay. What would you like to sum up with? Definitely what we want to do is have a call to action for anyone who's interested, anyone who may have questions, anyone who knows someone who may be in need, please contact us. Of course, you mentioned the website. We will have more information there. We have some forms and surveys. We want to engage. We want to hear from the people that we're looking to serve and people who are just generally curious. Absolutely. And voila, I know that you have some comments regards to that as well. Yeah. I think we we also urge that all mental health professionals from all over the globe, because this service also is universal, we offer the services in the languages of the users that uh, they will use, because language is power, and we give the power to the users and the mental health professionals. So we urge the mental health professionals to sign up to offer the services on the sales platform. And also the employers who are caring for the employees and who sign up early will pay also a pivot price to cover their employees. This is something from us, and we are doing our best towards uh, improving mental health for uh, mental health for overseas employees. However, for continued growth, we rely on the support and connections that we are forming with other organizations and potential clients. So, if that sounds interesting, we would love to discuss that. They just visit us on uh, Janet.Global. Being more than thankful. So, I thank you guys for being our guest today on GlobalRadioTalkShow.com. Uh, it's my honor to learn about what you're doing, and bless you all. This is a wonderful thing, and I look forward to helping to promote Generation Mobility as much as I possibly can across our network. Thank, Thank you, you again. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Oliver. So Thank it's you. Really a pleasure to hear about all of you, and I, <laughs> someday you. we're going to meet in person. Definitely. Yes. Next time. And you're I'll welcome get... in Oslo. You're welcome oh, in Oslo. Thank you. I'll come back. You know what? <laughs> We're going to do a video talk show and we'll do this again. Oh, Absolutely. great. Okay. okay. Crazy. Look forward to be back. Yes. Thank you, Danny. And I will be in touch with you regarding our San Jose event, whether it's live or video. <laughs> I will be there. I promise. Cool. <laughs> All right. I look forward to learning more about what you do in Silicon Valley as well. No problem. You have a friend here in, in Oslo and also in Silicon Valley. So you're welcome yeah. anytime. Cheers yeah. and skull. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Thank bye you bye. All. Thank you so Thank much. You. I really love us. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank right, you. This bye bye. Cohen signing off from San Diego and our group all over. Bye bye. What a wonderful